Hello and welcome to the podcast What I Wish I Knew as an NQT with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our experiences, both good and bad, of life as an NQT. I'll be talking to those new to teaching as well as those who've spent a lifetime educating children. And one thing you can be sure of, they will all have something interesting and informative to say on the art of being a great teacher. Plus, they will reveal the one thing they wish they knew as an NQT that made a real difference to their teaching and might make a real difference for you too. Today, I'm talking to Amy Jeffrey. Now, Amy had an almost textbook build up to being a primary teacher. What do I mean by that? Well, she loved school, loved learning, and she really enjoyed primary school. As a teenager, she started her teaching career by volunteering with the guides, and she enjoyed that so much that she's now the leader of a brownie pack, brown owl no less. So what did she do when she left school? An education degree? Yes? No. She did a degree in fine art with history, another passion of hers, and thought about going into museum and gallery education. But the teaching bug kept biting, and the classroom kept beckoning, and six years later she is still teaching and absolutely loves every minute of it. Well, almost every minute. Amy, welcome. Thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. Never, I've not quite heard my uh, history like that before, <laughs> my professional hey, it's history. Always, it's always good to listen to, to what you've done <laughs> and all you've yeah. achieved, isn't it? And uh, you've already achieved so much and you're still so young in your, your education career. So the fine art degree. Yeah. The fine art degree and you're thinking, crikey, what an exciting world the art world is, isn't it? And then you were convinced to be a teacher. What made you commit to that? Yeah, I think I went to university just doing a degree that I knew I'd enjoy. I was always very creative and thought I'd just do that. Um, and in my last year, we did like an education, a gallery education module, which was something completely different. So it was we got to go and work in the local museum and like do workshops and we had to make education packs and things like that. And it was kind of the first time I'd like I'd heard of that as a job. I didn't realise you could go into a museum and a gallery and deliver things for children and kind of bring those two worlds together. Um, so after that, I kind of I had a year out and wasn't really sure what to do. So I did quite a lot of volunteering in like museums and galleries in London, um, kind of National Trust and English Heritage. And I just go along leading like sort of family sessions and a couple of school groups um and I really enjoyed that I tried to apply for some internships but it's just like notoriously really really difficult and competitive so like I got knocked back of all of those and I just, just didn't know what to do and then I thought about applying for Teach First which I did and I didn't get on to and I was just like oh you know I've just failed at that um it's so interesting this, like, this story of- this story you're telling at the moment is so interesting isn't it because You've just sort of described everyone's path through life. You come <laughs> a various crossroads, don't you? And you think, I want to go that way, but the road's closed. I want to yeah. go that way, but the road's closed. And you sort of meander along, don't you, taking the available route. And then you find your passion. Yeah. And then, so I kind of got rejected from Teach First and I'd not really like everything else had come, kind of slotted into place before that. Got onto the course I wanted, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, 
So I just applied randomly for some, not randomly, but some like local skits. I didn't really want to go back to university or anything like that at that point. Um, And I got onto the skit and that was just like a baptism of fire, just like such an intense year. So although I not had like much school experience, really, I'd like worked with a lot of young people and lots of people on the skit course were either like TAs before, or they'd done like an education degree without the QTS. And so I kind of felt a little bit like, like I wasn't experienced enough or whatever, but I really enjoyed the skit, even though it was like crazy, um, crazy busy. And then, yeah, obviously got a job from there. And it's just, I kind of always thought I'd kind of go back into like do a couple of years teaching and then maybe like deviate back into maybe museum gallery stuff, which I might still do like in the future, but the cyclical nature of school, you kind of each year is like a little challenge and each year you do definitely it's, that's it's that's the, the same, joy of so. it isn't it as well the the, the fact <laughs> that new class new challenge you you set some new goals for yourself formally or informally I was never very good at setting myself formal goals but there was always something in the back of my head nagging away that I wanted to do better or wanted to do more of and yeah. and uh and, and like you say you sort of get re-energized annually don't you in a school because the new class comes along and you get all fired up again and then you start again. Exactly. And then I did decide to do a master's. Um, That was a couple of years in. So I went and did an art and design education master's. I kind of, because I had that kind of interest and passion still, and I wanted to sort of explore that a bit more. And would that give me more opportunities if I were to go down that path in the future? Um, So do you get to use, do you use your art background a lot in your teaching now? I think I'm quite lucky like where I am the school is kind of very creative and it gives lots of opportunities for like alternative sort of ideas and things like that we're not they're not that regimented and yeah I think that's really important isn't it to to find a school where your personality and your interests and your motivations fit I know the first job I was offered as an NQT I turned down Mm. because having been at the interview I thought I don't think I'm going to fit in here, really. Yeah. And, uh, and and although that meant I was jobless, of course, and finally got picked up out of a cardboard box at County Hall <laughs> by a head teacher desperate for a teacher, the school I ended up in fitted me perfectly. Yeah. And and like you, I could do all the things that that I was passionate about, which was just great. And the head allowed me freedom to do things as long as children were doing really well in class. I could explore things in my own way. Yeah, and I think it's like that trust to like mm. recognise that you are a professional and you're trained, you've got experience and that they don't need to be like breathing over you all the time. They just, they trust what you're doing and that's really nice because the first school I worked in was massive, massive primary and it was um, very sort of data-driven and mm. consistent. everything had to be consistent because there were so many pupils for the country yeah. just to make sure everyone was getting sort of every child was getting the same thing they had to be so kind of on us all the time and I found that really difficult because you come out of your skit like you can do all of these like different things and these all these these new ideas and you're trying to go into teachers have been there 30 years and they're just not having any of it (laughs) um yeah and that's frustrating isn't it and and I know when I became a head teacher I thought I'm not going to go I never went into a school bigger than 300 children because I thought I don't want to be in a school where we have to, or at least feel the pressure of, 
getting everyone to do things the same way. I want every every one of my teachers to be unique in the way I was allowed to be. So yeah, you qualified that's what as a, felt like kind of just like a I know I just like kind of felt like I was like in a factory almost. Yeah, like just churning. Like especially when I worked in Year Six previously, it was very kind of just going through the motions, just trying yeah, get, get jump the through the hoops, mm. which is which. I think is quite depressing as a teacher. Yeah. So you qualified as a teacher and you're coming up that first day of term. Was it an exciting time, a nerve-wracking time? Was it both? What were your range of emotions, given that you were thinking, oh, I might become a museum educator and, and now here I am about to become a fully-fledged teacher? Yeah, I think that kind of like went to the back of my mind a bit, Um I spent so long in the summer, like just going in as much as I could, because everything is just so alien to you when you start. Like even just you know rearranging your classroom like a million times, just making sure, I don't know. You just think this has got to ha- this is how it's got to be on the first day, and if it's not, then they're not going to respond properly. Or um, that's right. Did did you move your desks around endlessly? Yeah, I had such a tiny classroom as well. Right. My first year, it was so so small. So I had to try and like. I think they're all at like a weird angle and you couldn't yeah. really move around them. Right. But, um, I always used to like having little nooks and crannies in my classroom. Mm. So I used to have the desks at rather peculiar setups. Um, and I always found I'd got one desk that I couldn't fit in. Yeah. It used to drive me bonkers. I used to think this is perfect. This is just how I want it. But I'm two children short. Yeah. And I had a sort of an OCD reaction to making children had enough space on their desk. So I'd never let them share desks or anything like that, you know? Oh, wow. and, yeah. And, and then you think, Oh no. So I, I've got to find one more table for two more children. Where's it going to go? And then it ruins the whole thing. <laughs> that's it. And then you'd move the whole thing round again. Yeah. It was like that. So preparing for that first day, you've already said you went in quite a lot. Yeah. Um, what did you think were the most important things to do so you'd be fully prepared? I just, I suppose, like the visual thing, like having your displays up and stuff, I thought that was so important. And Do you still think it's important? It depends. Like, I think, like, the children do use the displays. I see them. That's the thing, them, but... isn't it? If, if yeah. they become an integral part of the day-to-day life of the classroom, then yeah. they're brilliant. If they're just wallpaper, well, they look nice, and after day one, you've wasted your time. Yeah, so I think it's like striking the balance, just yeah. like I've been lucky to have like some really good like support staff that have like helped me. So like my creative vision, they've like then kind of <laughs> gone away and helped sort of create. Um because I would I just I'd love to just like go and do displays for everybody, but that's obviously not time to do that. <laughs> that's not a job. But um No, it is a job. But, but whether whether you'd find anyone to employ you, I don't know. But 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 it it makes such a difference, doesn't it? When you when you go mm. in and it looks like the teacher really cares about the children's work, and and displays it well, not perfectly because you haven't got time to do it perfectly. When I was an NQT, I used to spend hours. I I can remember clearly doing a backdrop of Disney characters in chalk. Mm. on one of my displays because I wanted all these cartoony characters and I stayed till about nine o'clock at night one night doing chalk drawings uh, along the back wall of my classroom yeah. of uh, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck <laughs> and, and and the Seven Dwarfs and uh, I was a bachelor then of course lived on my own 
bit of a sado, didn't have much to do. <laughs> if I didn't if I didn't do schoolwork, I went down the pub. So uh, And I think you just kind of you kind of hear about it so much. I'm like once you become a teacher, like you're gonna have no social life and you kind of just kind of you think, Oh, okay. You just give everything then. You give all yeah. your hours to it and you feel like you should be you should be doing stuff at home and or it depends on the school you're in, but where I was when I started, it was very much like that was everyone's whole life there. So and I didn't mind because I was new. I didn't mind like I was enthusiastic and I wanted to do go the extra mile. Um, but then over the time, obviously you get more confident. You kind of, if you need to, you can kind of wing it sometimes. And you you know you've got yourself yeah, yeah. there. You I know think, what I think wing lesson. it is undermining your professionalism, <laughs> isn't it? What you mean is I don't have to write everything down yeah. and think through everything in fine detail because I've got enough experience now that I can use my experience and I think some schools de-skill staff, don't they, by expecting them to write everything down when mm. actually once you've got experience, you don't need to write everything down because the whole point of having experience is you can do things without having to micro-analyse what you're doing. Yeah. And then you micro-analyse the bits that aren't working so well rather than every single thing you do. When you say wing it, say it with pride. <laughs> Because that means that you're an experienced professional who knows what she's doing and uh, yeah. and can use all that experience to best effect. Yeah, and I think it's that thing about, like, you do so much, like, reflection when you're doing your, like, mm. your skit or your training and they want you to do journals and everything and thinking, oh, this is all a bit, like, this is a bit of a waste of time. But actually, it's something you just do every day. Like, you're always, like, sort of evaluating how the day went or why was mm. that, why did that child respond like that or... And I think that's the point, isn't it? The journals, the journals get you into that mindset of evaluation and analysis. And if you do evaluate accurately and analyse the problems and things that could be improved or the things that were great, then once you've got that mindset, as you say, it's just an ongoing process. Mm. You do it during the day and, and for the key moments, you do it afterwards to think, crikey, that was a catastrophe. Or, crikey, Mm. that was just brilliant. So the first day, the first week, the first month, all that preparation, getting used to being a fully-fledged teacher with your own class, did you think, woohoo, this is such a good decision I've made here? Yeah, I think think so. It's quite hard to remember now. Like, it's all just so overwhelming, I think. Like... That's a good point. Tell us a bit more about being so overwhelming and how you coped with it, because because I remember my NQT year as being like I'm in a fog here and and I keep coming into the clear. I can see clearly yeah. and then I disappear again. Yeah, I think it goes like that, and I think because I sort of I settled in quite well, and um, like I appeared to be doing like quite well, like quite the kind of like then expected more of me which I think I kind of shot myself in the foot because I was just like yeah I'm fine you know when actually I was like oh I'm so stressed like <laughs> how do you fit everything into the day I think it's more the time management than anything and that's something to get on and as early as possible isn't it I did I yeah and I definitely like overworked myself I think just because I felt like that was the thing I needed to be doing partly because I was new and partly because of the culture of the school like I felt like I had to be given everything. So uh, so do you think this is this is something you need to do at first, work really hard, get to know everything about how things work, uh, get to grips with the curriculum, 
And then once you're feeling more confident that, that everything is running smoothly, you can back off a bit because, because I certainly felt that because uh, I worked ludicrously hard in year one and then work just as hard, but not as much time, of course, subsequently. I guess it's like your personality type as well. Like mm. I would, I wanted to do that much work because it made me feel more confident when I actually came to do the teaching. Um, and I think whenever, you know, when you qualify as a teacher, you are feeling that sort of, you want to give all of that because you want to be enthusiastic and you want to be new and you want to be, you know, doing everything. I think over time, you don't need to put in as much time because it becomes a little bit more natural to you or a little bit second nature. Yeah, it um, does. It's like any new thing, isn't it? You've got to put time in at the start. And then once you learn how it works, you don't have to spend so much time on all that minute preparation. Yeah, like reflecting back, like I don't begrudge the time that I no. put in. I, um, I d- yeah, I think that was just part of the learning process just to... Think there could have been ways that I did it more efficiently or more effectively, but I think everyone goes about it in their own way. And just like I did, you know, some people would maybe, you know, they'd work all evening and then not make any time for their friends in the week or something. Like I always try to stick to like my social, like my social stuff in the week as well. If I wanted to do that, like and like the weekend, like making sure you've got things so you're not just stuck at home. Because if yeah, you're stuck at I, home, I, you kind I of say, go, oh, I, I'll go on the laptop or whatever. I think that's um, really important, isn't it? It, it? I won't say it's just a job because it's it's so important, but but it's part of your life. It's not your whole life, and, and mm. I think that's an important thing to learn. So so in that first year then, did anything happen which made you realise just how varied the job is? Yeah, I think just some, some of the experiences that you have, like when you end up on like a school trip and – they let you kind of get involved with it as well. And you just think, you just like, you sit and look, you think, oh, I'm getting paid to like, I don't know, dress up as a World War II veteran or whatever. Like, it's just a bit like weird sometimes when you like reflect on the things that you do in a day. Like, and I tell my friends about it and they're like, what, your job's so weird. <laughs> um, obviously you get those like high moments. Like really, yeah, so like, what was, what was the best like moment? we had this hamster that we had to I never got given it because I think oh they were oh she's new so we won't give her that yet um but my colleague she was Spanish she just come I think she'd been working in England for a year already but she was like the first term but she came in and she she said it's it's escaped it's escaped in the room and um it was after the children had gone home we had these like all like really weird built-in cupboards and board and stuff so like little nooks and crannies behind and we spent like quite a while trying to look for the hamster but we couldn't so we had to go and tell the head teacher she's quite she was quite um she was like a very serious head teacher that you, you don't go to unless it's like a really big problem so and a missing to, like, hamster is a huge problem <laughs> we had to go and tell her but she she did actually see the funny side of it but we were terrified like both like we'd only been there like five or six weeks or something and um I think hamster we'll, scandal hit school yeah well we think we could have to go and buy like a replacement one like what color was it like we just re- I was t- I was really frightened it was like being told off by a head teacher when you're a child yeah was um, it going to be one of those where you were 
you put a new hamster in and it sort of looks the same and you're hoping no one will notice but someone says this one's got a black bit of fur here never saw that on the other one we were thinking that we're gonna have to go to pets at home or something and get another one but we we did we told the SLT and um they actually found the funny side of it thank goodness but and then yeah we managed to lure it out in the end I think the child one of the children just like left you know like dislodged the latch or something but I just think pets in classrooms are just they are obviously great the children like love it but I think they they love it for a short period of time and then they get disengaged in my other school my new school children they're very quirky so we've got stick insects and my head teacher was like yeah bring them in miss jeffrey would love to have them in the room and i thought it'd be like for a few days it was like literally for a whole term and i was like right you've got to look after the year five you've got to like make a rotor who's going to look after them and it like worked for like the first two weeks and yeah it was just absolute chaos i'd have to like go out and get like brambles for them to put in the into the cat like into the tank and then one day one of them died and everyone was so upset about the, the oh, stick great life, life lessons. <laughs> and it's just, I was like, how am I like, how am I here cutting this, getting brambles on my like clothes, getting these <laughs> bits of leaf for this stick insect? Well, they're all out at play. I was like, this something's not right here. <laughs> so what that taught you was to have a, have a bramble monitor Someone yeah. who goes and snips the brambles. That's something yeah. I learned very early on. If there's a job to do, there'll always be a child who wants to do it. Yeah. And, and at first, as you've just described there, I thought, I've got to do all the jobs. I've got to do them all. But I had I had, I had 30 monitors. It yeah. was so good. You had a monitor for all sorts of things. And, uh, and I never had a bramble monitor. I feel no. cheated. <laughs> <laughs> if only I'd have, I'd have had a stick insect just to have a bramble monitor, I think. Do you like insects? Small animals? Invertebrates? I don't really like insects, but I, I did like, I felt like that was a learning experience for me as well. Yeah. I feel like you're, as even as an adult, you're just like constantly like learning. Yeah. Have you, have you ever had any of those people who come in, you know, and bring a wild range of insects or animals? Yeah, we had like a bug man come in. But the first time he was meant to come, he just never turned up. And that was a bit like, and then he'd had, he'd had like an accident, like a crash. He was fine. No, like and that TV thought, advert where they go into the pet shop and the and the insects and animals are running everywhere. It was well, that's one of those, what we thought. We thought that they'd all escaped in the van or something, but he was fine. He came back and, um, oh, he had all, all manner of things. He had different stick insects, bigger ones. Um these beetles that he kept like these cockroaches that he kept like we were all sat in a circle and he said he let them loose and he said to the children you've got to stop them like escaping the circle basically I was oh my gosh <laughs> um yeah and that's when there was a the tarantula that I had to have on my head oh nice every teacher has to have a tarantula on their head at some point yeah well, they were all chanting my name the children I thought I can't <laughs> yeah I can't say to them you can do it you can do it like be brave and then I not do it no um but it was horrible I really really just because they like have these little hairs on their legs or something that kind of can cause irritation so then right. all day I was thinking on my scalp like am I having a rash or <laughs> no. um, most of them had most of the children had it on their arm with their jumper I right. thought I'd just whack it on the head I might as well 
might as well go the full. You've got to think the street cred you got there must have been massive. (laughs) Forever. Miss Jeffrey, she's the one. She's the one who'll, she can do it. If in doubt, go to Miss Jeffrey. She had a tarantula on her head. Oh, gosh, yeah. You've yeah, got to get good. stuck in. You can't expect them to do things and then you hundred <laughs> percent. You have to be the role model, don't you, for overcoming <laughs> challenges. So your masters, have you used any of that? I did like a research project with the children at school. We were doing this, um it was my first term at my new school. We were doing it was an animation project. Uh, stop great motion. way to start. Suddenly they say, Crikey, this teacher we've employed, she does such funky things, <laughs> such exciting things. Oh, I didn't. I didn't feel confident at all because you don't all... have to, do you? You've just <laughs> got to look confident. You don't have to feel it. So we were making all these sets, and I was all right with that bit. And then they were writing their play scripts, and they were doing all that. And then it came to the recording. I had absolutely no idea. And I just there was this one afternoon. I just looked up in my room. It was just like like a bomb had actually gone off. There was so <laughs> much art material everywhere. Like tissue paper the glue I'd like burnt myself so many times on the glue gun and it was absolutely pure chaos but when I looked up every single child was doing something they were all doing something they were so engaged and I just sat there I just watched I thought it's chaos but I train I train them my my art lessons are not chaotic they're they're not chaotic and so you said wing it earlier you said (laughs) chaos here what that tells us is you're a confident teacher who knows what you want children to learn. You can see they're learning it. And if they make a bit of mess in the process, yeah. then actually that's part of the process. You can't always be neat and tidy when no. you're being creative and using all those higher order thinking skills to piece your ideas together, to take different bits of knowledge and join them into something meaningful, then then that isn't always a tidy process. And, no. and chaos is is the wrong word. Let's call it learning chaos. Yeah. Because what and, and what we mean by chaos perhaps is the opportunity for children to bring all their knowledge and understanding to bear into a project. I always train on how to tidy up. So I never have any complaints from the cleaner. I always have really good reviews <laughs> from the cleaner. But um yeah, as you said, it was like them bringing all their skills t- together. So their English, their kind of literacy skills, using their hands. Mm. And the, the, the digital part of it was where I, I struggled because I came to this school and their iPad like crazy, like use all these apps. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. And the, the my, my research really was about um, like this co-constructivist idea of learning. So yeah. you know, I'm the teacher and I'm at the front teaching I learned so much from them and it was really kind of like that term it was the beginning of the starting at that school it was really kind of again overwhelming um this new class these new ways of thinking these new ways of teaching it was way more kind of open and free than where I'd previously been I was finally allowed to kind of share my skills but then because I hadn't done so for so long I was I'd been so kind of regimented before I almost didn't know how to, for three years, I didn't know how to be creative. Well, no, um, that's right. And, and and even when you are, there's always going to be things, aren't there, that you find out, I don't know this as well as I need to know it, because that's yeah. the nature of the creative process too. Yeah, so they, they taught me basically how to use this app, this stop motion app, and um, it's just really lovely. Like, 
obviously I did a little bit and it was kind of very I think one day we spent like trying to finish it all off and I'd give them a little bit of input this is what you need to get done today and then do a couple you know 20 minutes work and then a sort of a a problem would arise someone couldn't work out how to do this I'd be like okay children who can help so and so with this and it wasn't my job to necessarily solve every problem um Hey, the, I, I I think this is a, a great point for me to ask you, what's the one thing you wish you knew as an NQT um, that would have made a big difference? Because you've given us a fantastically rounded view there of all <laughs> the all the problems, challenges, questions, doubts, insecurities that any good teacher has there is no and I'm confidently going to say this and as a scientist I hardly ever make generalizations but I think there's there is no good teacher who hasn't been through that process because it's only by that constant round of reflection which creates all those emotions in you that you get to be really good so so thanks for that that's been so interesting so, t- so tell us the one thing, but if there was one thing that that you wish you'd known and were confident that was the right thing to think about, what would it be? I think it's that idea of like understanding that everybody still is like has those insecurities or they're still learning. So I'd like I'd look at the other teachers in my year group or but they just know what they're doing all the time. And I think it's very much like an act isn't it I think totally because it's important that you look like you know what you're doing with children even Um, though you don't have to pretend you know everything but you have to show that I know what I'm doing yeah and I think just like trying to if you can you know whether it's like your NQT mentor what what they're called ECTs now aren't they yeah yeah, whatever (laughs) I'm not a Um, fan of terminology (laughs) of that sort like getting somebody that you can actually be like open with so that when it gets a, a you know your stress or whatever goes beyond the threshold of being kind of like a healthy level of stress if you are feeling really overwhelmed or like w- all these different emotions like having somebody in a school setting that you can trust to talk to and I know that's not always possible depends on where you are but or other, other you know if you know someone else it's a teacher you know even if it's your old mentor from your skit course or something, yeah. just chatting to them and just getting the reassurance that actually it's normal to feel how you're feeling. Because I think I felt a bit like in the first term, I didn't really say to anyone, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed and I just don't know what I'm doing. I feel useless all the time. Yeah, just probably that, uh, if imposter, I just said that to imposter one syndrome. Yeah. And, and we've all been there. And uh, you make such a good point when you say, don't let it knock you back because. Um, that's that's the nature of the job we're in. Amy, thank you so much for talking to me today. I've loved listening to your experiences. <laughs> and they remind me of the words of author and comedian Katie Kavinsky, who also understands how we make progress in life. You need to be content with small steps, she said. That's all life is. Small steps that take you every day. So when you look back down the road, it all adds up and you know you've covered some distance. And that's what you've described for us today, haven't you, so perfectly, <laughs> that, uh, crikey, was I really back there? Did I really feel like yeah. that? <laughs> Look where I am now. And uh, and I know the first time I spoke to you that uh, 
it was clear that that you'd done all that thinking and all that reflection and all that progress and uh, and we've heard well a small a small bit of it today but uh thank you so much for for talking to me today thank you for having me <laughs> so what now listeners what's the one small thing that you thought of during my chat with amy that will make a difference to your teaching and a difference to the success of your pupils Remember, one small step at a time is the way to continual improvement. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. I look forward to being with you next time for another thought-provoking educational chat. Until then, I'm Jeremy Crook, and this has been the latest podcast from What I Wish I Knew as an NQT.